Counting us down, folks. Welcome to a long-awaited episode the, of Missouri Swag. The first episode of our 2019 season. <laughs> yes, we took a we took a break, uh, a well-earned break, I would say, as many episodes as we got out in six. <laughs> <laughs> yes, because that handful of episodes took a lot out of us. Listen, Seinfeld only had half of a season to start out with. They didn't realize what they had. You gotta, you gotta ease into these things, Colin. That's right. That's true. And then, how long did Seinfeld last? Nobody remembers that show. Ten years. Ten years. That's true. Wasn't it? Also, yeah. I think that it's on every single day, multiple times. It's pretty well, funny. It's funny because it ties into what uh, we should talk about today. Because eventually, it ended, as That's all true. good things do, and we're going to talk about endings. Although this is the beginning, the beginning of our yes, beginning of wonderful season, new year. Season two. Season two. Missouri Swagger. Uh, but we want to talk about endings and, and how, uh, in particular, comic book endings. Yes. Well, first I want to complain. A little oh, bit. All right, let's hear your complaints first. I got because that is a never-ending joy. <laughs> yes. Uh, number one, I'm growing my hair out, and... This part here, this very gray side portion, is not quite long enough yet, and so I have to put a lot of hair product into this area to make it stick to the sides of my head because it's not very long yet. Um, and it, best case scenario, I look like a drawing of Quicksilver from uh, the Avengers and the X-Men. Um, worst case scenario is when I wake up and I've got a lot of product in my hair. I look like a crazy Wolverine. Um, so yeah, my hair is more difficult to make it look this good than it has been in the past, which is uh, and in in both the best and worst case scenarios, you look like a douche talking about your hair every time <laughs> we start recording. <laughs> I know you do it just to irritate me. I do it because I love the look because when I look at the screen, I see your face, so I get to watch your facial expression get more and more irritated <laughs> as I talk about my head. Um, but no, the I other got thing, very irritated with my hair today too, Dennis. Just so you know, did you because did you shave that thing in the shower, like with a razor? How do you do it? Straight razor, bro. Come on. But you do it. Do you do it in the shower? Or do you do it outside in the dry? I typically shave outside the shower, okay. and and then you know, so I, I I lather my head up or I dry shave. Doesn't matter. It, how often do you have to do it? Well, that's what I was getting at. You know, uh, the nice thing about this is that I don't have to worry about, uh, you know, product and all that, that business. And it used to be that I could shave my head maybe once every four or five days because, you know, a little stubble, that's fine. Who cares? The problem now is my hair has gone so gray and so frosty white that if I let it grow more than a day, I look like I have a silvery halo around my head and uh, I can't stand it. I can't stand it. So now it's an everyday chore. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's the, the downside of me having all this hair. I have a shitload of hair. Uh, is that as it is gray, it is rapidly graying. Um, yeah, it, it ages me. Having gray hair is fine if you have hair. Having gray hair and no hair, as I do, adds like 30 years to your appearance. Because it's silvery. Yes. I wouldn't care. That I like the gray in my hair. I wish it would stay out of my fucking beard. That's well, the I, thing that bothers me the most. Oh, yeah. I have a lot of gray through here, too. I don't like that. Um, they have a product that's just for men. You could use that. I know, but I already have so many products on my fucking head. <laughs> I can only imagine. <laughs> <laughs> I can um, only imagine. Heaven forbid you ever walk close to an open flame. 
<laughs> Boosh. I don't think it's flammable. I don't, it's not hairspray. Uh, this is, yes, this is but it's like, the, it's, it's like the it's like the combination of all the products. It's like from that first Batman movie where the Joker's poison didn't affect you unless you used a certain combination of products. And right. then Smilex. And it that would just, just seems inefficient. What's that? That just seems inefficient. Why don't you yeah. just put it in one? Because he's a joker. He's a prankster. But if you, um, answer yeah. my own question. I like it when I ask you questions and then don't let you answer them. It's fun. Uh, yeah. So the other thing I wanted to complain about. So my mother, my lovely mother, purchased for me for Christmas a GoPro. Nice. And a lav mic and extension cords for these things. And I thought that Missouri Swagger 2019 was going to be a high-tech, high-definition affair, uh, at least on this side. And what I learned... It, well, first of all, I'm a Luddite. I guess that's clear from past episodes, but I have no idea how any of this shit works. So what I learned in trying to uh, make it work is that you can't use a GoPro for live streaming, which is how we record this, unless you're doing it on Facebook, whatever that's called, Facebook Live. Yeah, they have built into theirs. And the device you have to purchase to make it your GoPro work as I intended it costs almost as much as the GoPro itself. So at some point, I'm going to purchase this. I don't know what it is. I think it uh, changes the information so your computer reads it as a, as a webcam. Uh, yeah, so I, at the moment, I have this awesome camera that I, if I want to like put it on my forehead and jump off a building, will make a really neat video, but it's completely useless for this. And just now I learned that my lav mic and extension cord that I have that would allow me to be back here and not have headphones on uh, makes it so I can't fucking hear you because there's no headphone involved. So I'm going to have to get some sort of other audio setup to make to make me pretty and danceable. My mom got me a set of hot sauces that I'm pretty sure my wife really bought and then wrapped it and put my mom's name on it. So stop complaining about the wonderful gift your mom got you. No, I'm not coming. The gift is fantastic. Missouri Swagger's uh, not as cool yet as it's going to be whenever I'm in high definition. How long are we going to say that? We can't keep saying that. No, I, I think the show, I think we have perfected the audio version of the show. I feel like our podcast may be the greatest podcast of all time, but the video version is still, it could still be fancier. Also, if I can get back there, because like right now I got like a, I got two feet of cord to keep me attached to the laptop. If I can get back there, I could dance for the folks. You'd be able to see my whole body over there dancing. But I worry that we lose the portion of our audience who tunes in every episode just to see if you're going to choke yourself out with those uh, headphones. (laughs) I mean, that's why I watch. What I'm really afraid of is that I'm going to get too animated and yank my laptop off off of the the windowsill. Because all of this gorgeous natural light that you always see comes from the sky because I'm in a windowsill. Uh, that's also why I was so fucking echoey before I started using the headphones. <laughs> I'm an idiot. Uh, so yeah, um, yeah. We were Colin. I've been talking about uh, when big, long-running comic book series end. It is a thing that uh, I was not prepared for before I started doing ongoings. Because you know, when you write a miniseries, you think of it as a finite thing. It's a story with a beginning, middle, and end, and you you come into it, you know, planning on the ending. But the first time you do like a run and then it's, it's over. It's a very, it's a strange thing. It's something I wasn't prepared for. I remember um, particularly with Avengers arena, I had like a very morose day after I turned in the last issue. 
Because this is sad that you couldn't kill those kids anymore. Yeah, I was sad I couldn't. And well, I mean, with Arena, I got to write them again after. But yeah, there's something about a thing you've been doing for a year or two coming to a close, which is, um, I don't know, it's not, I, it's not unique. I'm sure people that work in other media have it, but it's something that... Well, yeah, but it's tough. And first of all, you're right. I think, I think it's hard to stick a landing on a long-running comic series. I think it's hard to stick a landing on a short series, too. But uh, especially with a long-running series, it's, it's tough to, to write an ending that is satisfying to the reader. Um, right. First of all, I don't think people like things to end. So just yesterday, and I wasn't even thinking about this, I posted on Twitter about what is a TV show you wish that would come back, would be resurrected. Right. I've never gotten more of a response to any tweet ever. I think I'm at 9,000 responses right now, people saying what shows they want. Because no one ever wants any show to, to – they, they don't want their favorites to end right. ever. Even though most of the time when they end – I mean, like my favorite, the show I would bring back, The Office, for instance, ended very well. It was a good ending to a show, but I'd still bring it back because I don't want things to be over. Um, yeah, well, they, the problem with that, the double-edged sword with that is, even if the ending's great, you're down because it ended. But things right. that go on well past when they cease to be interesting are much worse. Yeah, I agree. Something that you don't remember as fondly because it didn't stop when it should have. I agree, but people don't want things to end, so it's tough to write an ending that's going to satisfy the reader. Um, and I think we have very different experiences in it because you're probably going to talk about uh, well, we talked about WWE ending, right? Didn't we talk yeah, about that in the previous? Yeah, I just finished that, my last yeah. issue of that. Um, so you've got that, and you've got other, you've got uh, you know some other books I know you wanted to talk about. Um, and I don't feel that any of the endings, I, I don't feel that any corporate comic I've written has had the ending I wanted. Sure. And I think they're impossible for me. Uh, th- to me, that is, uh, you know, a long running corporate owned comic, like a Marvel or DC book is almost impossible to write a, a strong ending for. Um, it's definitely impossible. In my experience, it's been very difficult to plan for uh, yeah. because I don't have control over when those series are going to end. Um, but, uh, with creator own, I've had a, you know, I, I feel like I've done a better job of ending some, some long running books. And you've done more long running creator own than most people. Like most, I, I, most comic creators don't get to do a six gun that goes on for years and years and years. Like that's. Yeah, you know. no. Uh, yeah. Six gun was 50 issues and Harrow County was 34, 32. Um, so yeah, those are two, most, most creator own books don't run that long. And those will probably be the ones I talk about a little bit. Right. What my are you longest running, my longest running series were, are, are always at about 30. Like I think Spider-Woman and Avengers Arena and Undercover, if you count them together, and then WWE, I did about 30 issues of all of those things. So right. those are pretty good, you know, more than two-year runs. Um, yeah. Well, you know, I often count Magneto, Uncanny X-Men, and X-Men Blue all as one run. Of a series right. because kind of, yeah. I was kind of telling because none of them ended where I wanted them to. I was trying to to make some connective tissue between them. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, the biggest one, the first one I ever experienced was Avengers Arena. It was my first ongoing, and that is a book that the omnibus just came out. You should go buy that. Uh, 
Or, I saw you giving I saw you giving omnibuses away to other creators on Twitter, just offering them, just <laughs> just like you were throwing them out. Just here's an omnibus, here's an omnibus. I saw you asking other creators if they wanted to read it. Well, I have Guess who you problems. didn't ask? Guess who you didn't ask? You read it when it came out. You read it aloud to so make fun of my dialogue when it came. Yes, out. but I would love to read it, put it on my shelf, and never read it again. <laughs> <laughs> Avengers Arena was an interesting case because. I was terrified going into it. Um, it is a project that changed a lot from my initial pitch to what the series became. And I wrote myself into a corner with a structure where every single issue is told from a different character's perspective. And so it opens with VO. And as we've talked before, opening voiceover is like writing a poem and is a summer yes. ditch. So that book was very personal to me because of where it was in my career and very difficult because I had to hop into a bunch of different heads and it ran like that for 18 issues. And right. so I was ready to be done when we got to the ending. Plus the ending, you know, like the, the death match ends. So the ending we knew from the beginning. But I was ill-prepared for what it feels like to write a bunch of characters, especially like that, where you're doing a lot of voiceover in the heads for that long. And then, oh shit, this is over. Right. And uh, fortunately with that one, I, I kind of got to ease into it because Avengers Undercover came next. And I did 10 more issues um, of Undercover. But that was Undercover was my first experience where I, it was supposed to be longer. So the ending we had planned for, we needed to get to. Like it, needed, it was a companion piece. It had a distinct ending. But it was supposed to go 16, 16 to 18 issues. And they made me stop it at 10. So we, we were just starting the second arc. And it was going to be a bunch of uh, single character focused stories. We did one for Death Locket. And then they're like, Oh, you got to wrap it up. How fast can you wrap this up? Which is, that's how you get the question. Like they either look at the sales numbers and they determine this needs to end. They ask how fast. And uh, for budding creators, I would say the answer is always just say double what you actually need so that you'll, you might get the number of issues you want. Say, um, I can't, I can't and, wrap yeah, it up. So, <laughs> See if you right. can talk them into letting it go forever. Um, also, if you write really fast and turn in scripts fast, sometimes you can get longer legs because they don't know how it's going to sell. That's like true. If, if it launches well and you get six issues in the can, <laughs> you'll get those six issues will come out. Um, but yeah, it's, there's, a, there's a sadness to it. And I think some of it comes from, at least from my, in my experience, you don't totally figure out how to write the book until you're about an arc in. Like, especially with corporate characters. I think you find the characters' voices. You find what's going to work and what's not going to work um, in the middle of writing the book. Sometimes it's a couple issues in. Sometimes it's the second arc. Um, in the case of Spider-Man, it's definitely the second arc. Uh, and when you've been writing something for a while, for a couple years, it becomes really fun and easy to write those characters because they live fully formed in your head and you have, you, you have the structure of the thing and you have long-running storylines you can pick up that people are invested in. You've gotten feedback. And so when that comes to an end, you got to replace that book for the purposes of your job and your pocketbook, but you're going to be starting from scratch on something new that isn't quite so comfortable. Um, and put, yeah, putting those characters to bed um, is tough. Uh, and sometimes, yeah, in corporate comics, sometimes that does not go as planned. Um, I don't think it's ever gone as planned on a on an ongoing corporate title for me. Ever, not once. Spider Woman was smooth sailing at the end they, because that book had a really dedicated following, had a really uh, steady sales. It didn't sell great, 
but it had steady sales and they wanted to end it in a place. And I think they, they have dreams of that character <laughs> becoming something in another media and they can put out an omnibus of my run, which would be awesome. Um, so right. that one was pretty okay. The biggest nightmare for me, other than uh, it used to be undercover because they took six issues um, away. The biggest nightmare for me recently was Jean Grey because uh, we knew it was going to be 12 issues. And so I planned it for 12 issues. Yeah. We really found our footing, I think, at the end of the first arc. And I was like heading toward a thing. Like, this is what we've been setting yeah. this up. We've had a mystery from the beginning and we paid off. And then they decided to resurrect Jean Grey, like as I was plotting it. And they told me like, well, Jean, adult Jean Grey is going to come back while this is going on. But we don't know how yet. Like, so yeah. I got to issue, I think it ended in in the double sized or something 11th issue so around issue nine or ten were scripted i think it was issue nine was scripted and like okay it got two issues and this is what happens and it made absolutely no sense with what my planned ending was right so we had to figure out a way not only to change the ending but also to use because the book says gene gray on the covers so they had an issue of comic cup that's going to be coming out with my name on it and gene gray's name on it in the middle of an event where gene gray, gene gray gets resurrected so I had to figure out how to dovetail my story into that story, which I didn't know until we got there. Um, and that was a thing. That was a, I'm really proud of what we did, but that's a weird, that's a well, weird, difficult way to end the series. X-Men Blue had the same, the same thing. I mean, I started X-Men Blue and, and, you know, we moved, we had a pitch or a plan to send them back home at the end of X-Men Blue. Right. And I had things I wanted to accomplish along the way. Um, including there was a, you know, there was talk of turning them into the new exile so they wouldn't go home. They'd go out into the alternate realities and fix problems. Sure. Um, which I loved that idea and I was excited about it. But then, you know, extermination came along and they said, Hey, by the way, we're sending them home in another book. <laughs> you can, you have to figure out a way to end it. Uh, or just, they just want me in the series and I wanted it to end on a satisfying note. I didn't want it to just be sort of, you know, uh, just another story that ends and then you just never see another issue. Cause I hate that. I wanted it to wrap up my run on X-Men blue in a good way. And I had to figure out how to make that happen. Um, there was also discussion of, oh, by the way, you can't use the X-Men in your last four issues. <laughs> which, busy elsewhere. That, was a, that was a crazy note, and I had to, uh, I had to argue uh, to get to use the X-Men um, in the last four issues. Uh, but, uh, I mean, in the end, I'm, I'm happy with the way that book wrapped up. Uh, but, but, yeah, I had to kind of shift gears and figure out, not knowing what was going to happen in Extermination. Right. I had to figure out how to end my series, wrap it up in a, a way that reader people who had stuck with me since the beginning or since Magneto even would say, okay, that ended the way, you know, in a, in a way that kind of, you know, put a nice bow on top of it. Which, and that's, I mean, that's one of the most challenging things about corporate comics that takes a minute to get used to is that other people are using these same characters, yeah. even at the, like the least corporate, least complainy level. Yeah, you're trying to use characters that other creators are using and they're not necessarily in the same office. So your editor doesn't necessarily know what the plot outline is for Colin Bunn's book. Because you and yeah. I are good friends, great enemies. We talk all the time. And my all new X-Men book ended with an explanation that they are from an alternative timeline and can't go back. 
while you were writing the start of your X-Men Blue story, it was about how they're going to go back. They're going to go back. (laughs) They're going to go back. And that was in the same office with the same editor. Uh, well, I mean, I think another good example for me and you, uh, for the two of us, it, it can even be, you know, and we get complaints about how characters are interpreted differently, you know, from right. from writer to writer. Your Emma Frost is vastly different than the Emma Frost who appeared in my book. I mean, the one that was appearing in Jean Grey. And that the word, was a, the word is better. It might look. You, she might have been better. But your Emma Frost was more of a hero, not heroic, but anti-hero figure. And my Emma Frost, at least as she first appeared, my had to be villainous because right. of where she was when uh, I took when I, she was supposed to appear in my book. Right. When there's a nuance, I that works for me because bad people do good things and good people do bad things. And I, as long as what the character is doing that's heroic or villainous makes sense for their own personal. Uh, goals. Uh, it, it worked just fine, but I did hear some some feedback on that. Well, anybody who's trying to write Emma Frost at the same time that I'm writing Emma Frost is going to hear about how it's not as good because I am a fantastic Emma Frost writer. You are a good Emma Frost writer. I like your Emma Frost. I love writing Emma Frost. I like. I didn't I, hear Emma that Frost and good. I heard that they didn't like that she was evil. Right. Well, because they want. Well, that's I mean, that's another that's an X Men fandom thing. People who love characters don't want you to have those characters behave badly in a way that they is not the version that exists in their head. Somebody wants every villain to be a hero. Sure. When I was writing Carnage, someone wrote me a long, lengthy email that Carnage should be redeemed and be a hero in, you know, in this new book. And I was like, um, Carnage can never be a hero. He's he's a murderer. I mean, I don't think, uh, there's a lot of characters who shouldn't be heroic, but we're getting on to another topic. Let's talk about endings. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it doesn't, we don't, this, we're supposed to meander. It's fine. Uh, but yeah, my Jean Grey, um, while I was writing that book, I wasn't, it was very strange because the idea from the beginning was Jean Grey gets taught different things by interesting people in the Marvel universe. It was going to be a road trip route book where she went around and learned stuff from cool characters to prepare her for the coming, the return of the Phoenix. Phoenix was coming. Nobody believed her. She needed to go, go from being teenage, unprepared, 60s Jean Grey character to adult Jean Grey badass can handle it. And she needed to do it in a hurry because otherwise the world was going to have to deal with Phoenix. And that allowed us to do a whole arc that was um, like Marvel team up. And right. it was super fun to write, and the issues were really unique. And there was a different artist on all of them, on, on a bunch of them, which was fun. And people were like, well, this, this book doesn't matter. Like, this book's just Marvel team-up. Like, when is the plot going to start? And so I thought, for the longest time, I thought that series like, didn't hit with fans because I kind of stopped paying attention to reviews after that. Like, well, I got, I'm writing this for a year, so I'm not going to read these anymore. And what I have learned is when we pivoted to the actual story and headed into the Return of the Phoenix and all of the Emma Frost stuff, fans not only dug it and got into it and became invested in it, but they looked at those first few issues differently. And so what I found since then, since I stopped really thinking about it and write it anymore, is that that it, people think fondly about that run. And I sort of thought it was otherwise. So it's interesting how over the course of doing something, um, your notion of how it's received um, changes. And also people will find it after you're long done with it. People will like that book sells well in trade. People talk about it online and go buy it digitally and buy it in trade. Um, 
And I think it, a lot of people thought of it as an also ran series, what was going on. So it's right. weird how once something ends, it doesn't cease to exist. It doesn't cease to be important to people. We're just not getting paid to make it anymore. You um, might get paid royalties, depending. I mean, well, yeah, no, I do. It's weird. I, yeah, I, my royalties were not awesome during the, the singles, but I, I get Jean Grey royalties now. Right. It's cool. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, these things take on a life of their own. And they, the, uh, the notion of them changes. Like Avengers Arena number one is maybe the, fir- the best Marvel first issue I've ever written. If you count Spider-Woman number five as the first issue, not. But uh, it is the also the most panned issue I've ever written. Like it has more re- bad reviews because of when it came out and because people were reviewing the, the premise, which they didn't like. They didn't right. like the deathmatch premise. And we set that up. Um, and now, largely people either remember it as something they didn't read the people hated or as the premise or the people who read the book remember the whole thing fondly. It's interesting. Right. That. Did you have the ending mapped out for arena when you started it? Did you know where it was ending? More or less. I assumed I had to kill them all, but one, I assumed well, this is hunger games. Like maybe I get away with two of them being alive. And I remember at some point in the plotting process, Axel was like, you don't have to kill them all. Like they can win. Uh, and that to me, they can win. I'm like, no, well, no, they can't. Like, this isn't interesting. If they win, they can escape. Right. So yeah, the, the, I think I figured out pretty early on the kids get out, you know, the kids will escape. Some of them will survive, but arcade is going to show everyone this footage. And in doing so arcade is going to win. Um, which that moment in the series, um, Kev Walker drew a mint on the hotel pillow that looks a little bit too much like a condom wrapper. <laughs> and we got endless amounts of shit from the people that hated that about how he was somehow doing something sexual while he was watching, like while he was uploading the video. Cause he, up, he uploads a video and then he pops a champagne cork. And that's how the series ends. Spoiler. Um, <laughs> but yeah, nothing, nothing untoward happened in that. So room. as you're planning this book, you're like, in, so you, you plot out how it works from beginning to end. I have always been a hater <laughs> to your note. So your notebook reads, I've always been a hater condom on pillow. That's I like that. Actually the, the, the way that I broke it down at the very beginning was who dies when, like I got this many issues cause we knew we were going to have about 18 issues. And so where do the deaths occur? So I, I remember I sat at a um, Mongolian barbecue restaurant with, I ate lunch and then I sat there and I wrote down who died when. And then I started fleshing out like, okay, that fits in here. What other characters are involved? Cause it started out with 18 kids, which is a massive right. cast for comic book. Um, and that's how I broke it down. And then, you know, stuff shifted around and I figured out who the characters were um, early on. And what's funny is the characters that don't, they're not really characters. There's some people that I brought that die right away. Like there's a bird girl, um, Ray, yeah. Ray or something who dies by flying into the ceiling and breaking her neck. Right. Which is like a bird flying into a window joke. And people are super angry that that character didn't get her time in the sun. Uh, because I didn't. She was created her. for that though, right? You, no, she was an existing character. Oh, she I was. I thought okay. something else. And I, yeah. and that's sort of when I learned there are fans of every single character you can possibly pull out of the. Yes. Um, that's true. So yeah, that well, one I had figured out. Go ahead. Yeah, that's, you know, with the with Six Gun and, and, and Harrow County both, which those were, you know, the two long-running books I did. I knew how they started, and I had an ending in mind, 
where I wanted to end it, but I didn't really, uh, I didn't map out in detail the stuff that takes place between issues one and issue, you know, 50 or issue 32, because who knows if you're ever going to get that many. I kind of left it a little loose so that if I absolutely had to compress the story, I could. But, uh, but I wrote a beginning and an, an end, and then I put milestones along the way, things that I thought should be, you know, should take place before we reach those, you know, that ending. But I left myself plenty of room to, to change things or, or tweak things along the way. Um, and I think, I mean, those are the two that I'm most satisfied of, of all my books that, is, that have ended. Those are the two endings that I'm most satisfied with. Um, it doesn't hurt that I was able to do it the way I in almost every way, the way I wanted to, uh, without any, you know, strange curveballs coming off uh, that, that, that absolutely helps. But, uh, but yeah, I knew how it was ending before I got started with, um, with books like Magneto. I did not know how it was ending. Um, I knew what I wanted to do is I wanted Magneto to form a new brotherhood of evil mutants and kind of go back to his old ways. Right. And I couldn't do that in Magneto because the series ended because of secret wars and the world being destroyed. Um, and then X-Men blue or uncanny X-Men. I said, well, I'll just continue that and I'll get to where I'm going with that. And then that series had to end. And then, uh, and why did that series have to end? Sales were fine. Why did that end Dennis? I don't understand. Uncanny. I don't, I don't understand comic books. They decide because we did the reason those series ended. I remember this because we had the big plan that all led into IVX. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Coming out of IVX, we were going to relaunch all of the books with the different twist. And then they, they determined, they decided that if we're going to do a big relaunch, we can't have the same creative teams on the same books. Right. Originally, originally, all the X-Men was going to become generation X. Like the generation X became like, let's bring that title back. That was going to be the new name for my all new X-Men, which was going to be the character, you know, like magic beast and yeah. all of the changes I had made to the characters um, were going to be implemented. And then instead they're like, well, you can still do generation X, but it needs to be a generation X book. Right. Also like, also we're going to do a solo Jean Grey title. And then I'll be about that. Um, so that's why yeah. we did that. You were there. Yeah. I'm sorry. I forgot. I forgot that that was the, uh, that that was the reason was IBX. Yeah. 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 Um, we had a great pitch, by the way. I don't know how comfortable you'd be sharing. We had a great pitch for the books coming out of IVX, I think. I think that that would have been the most awesome uh, era of X-Men ever. Well, it was you and me and Lemire, right? Well, a- well, yeah, but afterwards, uh, Lemire was no longer writing X-Men. It was just really, it was... So you mean, you mean after that, like after he had already... After started. IVX. I don't know if you, what we pitched was that there would be, cause they really hung up on this X-Men blue, right. the, X-Men blue and X-Men gold. Right. And this is before, uh, Mark Guggenheim had been hired to write X-Men gold. Um, and we, what we pitched was that, uh, we were going to do, uh, an X-Men, like an uncanny X-Men and an extraordinary X-Men, one that I would write and one that you would write. And then one X-Men series that was set at the school that featured every possible X-Men character. And we were going to call it X-Men Blue and Gold because it was the school colors. And I still think that would have been an awesome time in the yeah. world of X-Men. It would have been. Also, yeah, it would have been interesting to run the whole 
show. Yeah. I suspect that my slowness negatively affected our ability to get uh, that across the plate. Uh, who knows? I thought, who knows? I'd have sped you up. I'd have made you go faster. Well, in hindsight, my personal life was on a was on a downturn at that point. That's I was true. in a that's a, true. A, bad relationship that was ending um so yeah things end and then new things start the other thing that's that's weird about stuff ending is starting projects is much more difficult than continuing projects. i said that earlier but like the beginning like that's been my life here for the last little bit and now i'm on i'm writing issue three of spider-man uh city at war and i'm writing issue four of darth vader and like, I got my sea legs now and I'm right. like, okay, these are, you know, I, I got this, I got this figured out. I've, I've seen amazing art come back and I've seen, you know, I, I know that I can do this, but the, yeah, those first issues is like anxiety train for me. Um, I want to talk about Spider-Man in a future episode. My son and I just finished the video game a couple of nights. Did you get the good ending or the bad ending? Was it sad? Yeah, it was super sad. So you fucked up. No, we didn't. We, yeah. we saved the, the day. Yeah. Well, yeah, but not all the way. There's a way that that sad part doesn't sad. <clears throat> what? Now I got to go back and play the damn thing again? Yep. I, I'm serious. I'll tell my kid that tonight, and he's going to go back and start that game from the beginning. <laughs> so. uh, yes, yeah, so it's funny, because I've, I've watched all of the... They sent me all of the... Um, Cutscene stuff? So I've watched them as a movie, but they sent me all of the If You Play Perfectly ones. Um, and so, yeah, I the had other no one, idea that they changed. So that's Another... Yeah, that's how modern video games work, Colin. Everything's different depending on what you do. Haven't you ever played Dragon Age? No. I've never played Dragon Age either. My girlfriend plays a lot of video games and tells me about them. Um, yeah, I didn't know it had a different ending. Seems like a lot of damn work. They should just make the same ending. I thought it, So that's a good point. I thought that ending of Spider-Man, the video game, while it was a bad ending, as you say, was a good ending to the to the to the uh to the game as a whole yeah i mean that's the idea is that it it's compelling one way or the other Um, i thought it was it was a solid ending because i don't think things need to end i don't think everybody needs to be happy with the ending i think that the ending has to feel right for the book and that's you know sometimes you get flack for endings because you didn't end things on a happy note you know Mm -hmm. um i was super that was a sad ending to spider-man but it was also the ending I felt like it was supposed to have. I had no clue that there was supposed to be a different ending. Damn no, I, I mean, I think the endings are all, those video games are meant to be, a, the world of the game is meant to affect, you know, backwards. What you do, what you do in gameplay is meant to affect the world of the game. And there are game franchises like Mass Effect, where you do things in the right. first game. And when the new game comes out, it knows what you've done. Right, and I knew that whole universes might not like whole worlds might be, have been destroyed, so they're not in the new version of the game. Right, and so I think that's probably I, I don't know I don't have any insider knowledge on this, but I suspect there will be a sequel to that massively popular P- Spider-Man PS4. You game. think there might be? And I would imagine it will know it will upload your information and right. know which which ending you got. I, I you know it, it's tough. I know. I hope there's a sequel to it because at this point. My kid's unsatisfied with every other game we've tried to play so far after finishing Spider-Man. He's kind of been like, this game stinks. This well, game. And one thing that's weird, the controls of that game are so elaborate. 
yeah. that you get really good at them and then you go try to play something else that's equally elaborate. Like I, I heard someone complain the other day about Red Dead, uh, about trying to go from Spider-Man to that, where it's like one really elaborate set of controls to another really elaborate set of controls, yeah. which is probably easier for children. But our hand-eye yeah. coordination doesn't... So now we don't need to talk about Spider-Man in a future episode. And see, I segued it into endings and how endings don't always have to be happy. And you don't have to like the ending for it to be a good ending. Cindy what? hates the ending of my, one of my favorite movies, The Thing. She thinks the movie is terrible because of the way The Thing ends. Um, and, and I keep telling her it's the only way it could end and be a satisfying ending. My favorite thing about The Thing is at the beginning, if you speak the language of the foreign scientist, it tells you what's about to happen. Yeah. Yeah. All they had to do. Well, they wouldn't have believed him anyway. I mean, I'm not going to believe some jackass that comes up telling me this dog's going to turn. Sure. But I mean, if you're, if you were in the audience of the movie, you got a spoiler at the beginning because if you spoke the language, um, much like when I saw, um, how was it called? The, the Holocaust, the funny Holocaust movie from the late nineties. Beautiful. Funny Holocaust movie. Yeah. It was like a, it was a foreign movie. It had Roberto Benigni in it. And it uh, it won an Oscar. I'm not really like, pulling this out of my butt. Uh, anyway, the end of that movie, spoiler, uh, is the liberation of the, of the um, concentration camp. Mm-hmm. And American soldiers come and liberate it. But right. the American soldiers, their English dialogue was written in Italian or whatever language the, the movie's from. So they're really funny, like Italian actors saying, Oh, we are here. And like they're speaking English, but it's like the most ridiculous stilted English. And I saw it. We took, we went to see it in high school for history class or whatever. And it was hilarious. That's the funniest part of the movie. Because if you speak, you know, if you speak English, it's yes, it's in English, but they clearly are not native. Or maybe, maybe they are. I don't remember. I just remember being funny. I remember the dialogue being funny. All right. All right. I'll so take your word for it. I'm probably not going to go see that movie. Or right, you do it. Really? Um, Yes, or endings. All right. So this episode needs to end. Every Every new beginning is some other beginning's end. And we need to talk talk a little bit about um, logistics going forward. Because you and I, we are very fascinating humans with rich histories and rich family histories. But we have told a lot of fucking Missouri swagger stories. And we don't want to scrape the bottle of the barrel. I, we, what, we, what I would like to do going forward is to do something fun with the stories we've told to, to put out. We'll, we'll talk about that going forward, but I have an idea of ways to, to make things and, and re, reuse some of that fun that you guys have heard us talk about. I also have some ideas I'll run by you. Um, but we, you know, Missouri Swagger stories are fun and they're fun to hear about and they're fun to read. So what we would like to, to pose to you uh, is... If you have stories about your ridiculous, uh, doesn't have to be Missouri, but swagger stories. There were silly things you got up to when you were younger, funny things your family members have done that lean in the Missouri swagger direction, which is a little bit country, a little bit redneck. Um, we would love to hear them. Um, Colin has suggested setting up a voicemail so you can tell them yourselves. But if you want to send them to us on Twitter or or just tell us, hey, I have the best story ever. We right. might even be able to do something where we can bring them into the recording itself for a little bit. Right. Because we have that capability, I think. I mean, I'm, I'm about as good at recording these things as you are at using a GoPro. 
So, um, but worst case scenario, we'll read them aloud because we'd like to right. we'd like to add those in. Um, we're also going to start doing more. We want more regular shows, so we're going to add new features. So this is a little bit more top down, and we know what we're going to talk about every time. We can give you a schedule and things going forward. So that's right. a, um, another thing. I am this year going to be uh, making some changes in my career and how I promote myself and such. And so I'm going to be revealing my secret identity soon. So on the next episode of Missouri Swagger, you will find out what my cryptic tweet I had a while ago is about my secret identity being revealed. So get excited about that. Um, We'll talk about that. I'm thrilled. Can you see it? You already know. Yes. All right. So uh, where can people find you, Dennis? Mostly on Twitter. Um, Hopeless Dent is my Twitter handle. And uh, I'm at Dennis Hopeless Comics, I think it is, on Instagram. If you want to see a picture of a snowman my children built. Uh, And then I have Darth Vader Dark Visions is coming out in March. Spider-Man City at War, which is set in the PS4 world, comes out, I believe, in March as well. Uh, I'm not positive about that. And then right now... um, the second arc of my digital cloak and dagger series is coming out. It is called negative something or other. I don't remember what it is. Cloak and dagger negative something. Look that up. Um, That's coming out digitally and the trade paperback of the first cloak and dagger, the um, gray area or whatever it's called uh, just came out. So if you want a printed version of my first part that that is out now. And then I have two more issues of WWE coming out and those trades get collected in behind. So I think the, the women's revolution WWE trades coming out soon. So you can have all sorts of brand new Dennis Opal's comics to purchase. And then I get royalties. So you should go do that. What about you? So you can find me on Twitter. It's at Cullen bun, super easy to find. And, uh, and yeah, I have a, you know, uh, dark arc from aftershock is still coming out. I think our, um, 13th issue came out today as of this recording. Um, so there are two trades of that that you can get if you haven't read the first, uh, first couple, uh, there's dark arc volume one and two, you can read and catch up on, uh, also bone parish from boom is, is currently running and they did something really cool. I think they released this, uh, uh, a trade paperback called, uh, I don't know. It's like an early edition or whatever that's only available to comic book shops. So they only say it will never be on Amazon or anything like that. It's a trade that collects the first four issues that is, they, they kind of rapid release. So that's out and available now before the true volume one comes out next year or this later this year. Um, so there's, there's bone parish volume one, which collects the first four issues and then issue five is on the shelf right now. So that's a great way to, to jump into that series. If you haven't been reading it, um, uh, and then uh, uh, as Guardians of the Galaxy from Marvel is coming out, we're heading towards the War of the Realms. So there's that big, big storyline coming up. So some exciting, fun stuff going on there. And then uh, if you uh, go to Patreon at all, if you ever checked out Patreon, I do have a Patreon. Uh, it's Patreon slash Cullen Bun, where I put out serialized novels and serialized comic books and short stories and writing advice. And then all sorts of things. So you can check that out and, uh, and jump on board there if it's, that's the kind of thing that interests you. Sounds good. All right, folks. Thanks, Thanks everybody. My yep. goal is to do another episode this week. 
where we talk about something light and fun. It's going to happen. Look at you. It's going to happen. So this week, another episode this week, I'm committing us. All right. All right. Thanks, everybody.